Please be seated. As I've mentioned before, when I was a really wee child, I, I dreamed of being a garbage man. But as I got older, I had kind of different ideas for, for who or what I should be. And then by the time I got to high school, I had, a sort of the, I had a short period where I thought pastry chef was truly what I was going to do. Um, I think I would have been a good pastry chef, to be honest. But anyway, that didn't happen. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll be a fighter pilot, because that sounds really cool. Although the truth is, I don't really have good 3D vision, so I probably would not have been a good fighter pilot. And then by the time I was a senior in high school, I was going to be a marine biologist. That sounded really cool. I don't really know what marine biologists do, but it sounds really neat. And I wanted to be like Jacques Cousteau because we used to watch him on TV every week. And I thought I'd get like a little red cap and go underwater. It'd be really cool. And, uh, um, and, but that didn't happen. I didn't become a marine biologist. I, I had a scholarship to go to college and I didn't take it, which is a testament to the idea that 18-year-olds should have no say in their lives because they're stupid. <laughs> they do dumb things. Don't let them make choices on their own, people. Anyway, so I, I in my infinite wisdom, decided to join the Navy. And I got to the Navy and they said, John White, you should be an electrician. Okay. So off to electrician school I went and I learned to be an electrician and that's what I did. I was an electrician on a submarine and uh, worked on the nuclear power plant and all that kind of stuff. And my whole life for like the next 20 years kind of flowed out of that choice made on my behalf. Now the thing about electricity is it's really, really, really useful. It's also a little bit dangerous. In fact, it's a, it's a lot dangerous. Bad things can happen to you. And you know, when we see sort of completely uncontrolled electricity like lightning, you know, coming blasting out of the sky and the terrible damage it can do, that's, that's amazing and, and awesome and, and it's sort of a little scary and it's something we don't really want to be around, right? Because no one wants to get hit by lightning, right? No one wants to be hit by lightning, right? Okay. <laughs> At the same time, at the same time, electricity is really useful, right? It's immensely useful. Our entire lives in, in the society we live in kind of revolve around it. So many things that happen through electricity that we just kind of take for granted. There's electricity in your car, or if you take the bus, there's electricity in the bus. It's absolutely essential for cars to work, electricity. It makes the spark plugs go. Back If your cars still have spark plugs, they probably don't. They're fuel injected, but it's the same idea. And when we go home to our houses, you just walk in and you flick the switch and there's light. And when it's cold, the heat comes on. And when it's hot, the air conditioning comes on. And, and when you're bored, you just click a button and the TV comes on. And that's amazing. Or you look at your phone or your computer or whatever. All of those things that we do and we take for granted, that's all electricity. Without it, we would live very different lives. In fact, if we could bring someone from 1700 and plop them into our houses, they would be amazed at all of the ways our lives have changed. Because, you know, until like 150 years ago, lives hadn't really changed all that much for thousands of years. I mean, it had gotten a little bit better, but basically the energy you got was what came from the sun. And the energy that you could put to work was really what you could channel through an animal, right? You couldn't go faster than a horse could run. But through electricity, our world was radically 
transformed. And for the most part, we just totally take it for granted. You know, until like it's middle of January and the ice brings the power lines down and you don't have it for a few days. And for like the first couple hours, it's like really cool. You know, you get the candles out and you go, isn't this romantic and lovely? And then it starts to get like a little cold. And so we're like, well, I sure hope the power comes on real soon. And occasionally we want to take a break from it. We'll go camping or, or to our rustic cabin. But mostly we kind of like what electricity does for us and what it offers in our lives. The Holy Spirit, I think, is a lot like electricity. Right? At Pentecost, they had this sort of uncontrolled unleashing of the Holy Spirit. It's like a lightning storm. The, the disciples, they're all locked up in the upper room and they're still afraid because Jesus had died. He had risen. It was amazing. He was with us and then he left. He just left. And we're kind of like, what? He just left. But he said, don't worry. I'm going to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit. It'll be okay. I'm going to be with you. But it's kind of hard to trust those promises. I mean, you know, he had died once. And he came back, but now he's gone again. But he says, don't worry. I'm going to send you this Holy Spirit. So they're locked in this room. And suddenly this, this storm of the Holy Spirit breaks out. And it, like, it's like a literal storm. It like blows them out into the streets. And they said that it was like having tongues of fire, like lightning bolts kind of going off around them. And this, this unleashing of the Holy Spirit into Jerusalem where, where all of the people heard the story of God, their witness, their testimony in their own language. Speaking in tongues, they, they, they heard in the language of their hearts what Jesus had done. But, you know, many of us have probably had a powerful, lightning experience of the Holy Spirit. Right? We, if we're lucky, maybe we, probably not something on the scale of Pentecost. But... But something where the Holy Spirit breaks into our lives and opens us up and, and makes our eyes see things in a different way or it makes our hearts feel things in a different way. Our speaker today, he spoke of, of how the Spirit had told him to leave his, his successful business and go out and walk around with homeless people and, and, and to bring the gospel to them. That's, a, that's like a lightning bolt of the Holy Spirit kind of breaking things open and sending you out. But for most of us, most of the time, our Holy Spirit experience is kind of more like going home and flicking on the lights or opening the refrigerator and stuff is cold. It's just kind of there. It's not bold. It's not dramatic. It's sort of quiet. It's in the background. It's, it's at work in our lives. It's doing amazing things for us and to us. And yet we're we're kind of oblivious to it. We, we kind of just take it for granted. It's just, the Holy Spirit's just there. But the church, that's how the church works. That we, we can't live in a thunderstorm all the time. We need to have shelter. Electricity that's like surging through us like, like lightning is difficult to channel. It's wonderful when it happens. It's dramatic. It's cool to see. But, but you can't run your your refrigerator on electricity. I mean on lightning. Right? For the everyday life of faith, we can't live in the Pentecost experience. 
We have to live in that quiet experience of the Holy Spirit that, that moves through our lives in ways that we may not even be paying attention to and, and drives us to take maybe a little bit of advantage of it, but to, to channel that spirit to transform our world. Because in the same way that electricity has changed the world in indescribable ways to someone that we could bring back from the past, our faith has done the same. If we could bring those disciples who experienced the Pentecost on that day in Jerusalem shortly after Jesus' death in the fourth decade of the first century, they would be amazed at how faith has transformed the world. How the simple message of loving one another, caring for neighbor and God with our whole selves has transformed the world in which we live. That faith has done amazing things. The world of the first century was a terrible and cruel place. I mean, we like to watch those like masterpiece theater movies about, you know, like the Romans and all that kind of stuff. But that's like the itty-bitty, creamy, tippy-top of Roman society that we get to hear about in those shows and that, that we read about in ancient texts. For the vast majority, you know, half the people who lived in Rome were slaves. Half. It was a city of over a million people, half a million slaves. It was cruel. There was warfare. There was, you know, they, they invented crucifixion. They tortured people like there's nobody's business. It was terrible. And yet we live in a world absolutely transformed by faith, by the very simple idea that human beings have inherent dignity because they are children of God. <coughs> Our whole system of government flows from that simple idea that, that every person should have a voice and is worthy and should be counted in the community. That there is not a hierarchy of people. That all are equal. That's a Christian idea. Born out of Jesus' very simple message that each of us is a beloved child of God. Human rights the end of slavery, the expansion of, of, of uh, suffrage to, to women, all of those things are rooted in Christian activism. That our faith, this Pentecost, which was unleashed to the disciples, continues into our day. And though it may not be as dramatic as what they experienced, that surging force moving through our lives has changed and altered our existence beyond anything the disciples could have imagined. And so Pentecost is not just some event that we remember that happened a long time ago. It's an ongoing experience which we participate in through our baptism, through our, our belonging to church, to our participation in the life of faith. And that it's ongoing and in the same way that our world has been imperceptibly changed. Perceptibly changed, that's better. It will change even more through our efforts. Through our continued effort to harness the power of the Holy Spirit unleashed on the church on that day of Pentecost, we continue to move forward to try to make the world look something more like the kingdom of God. That our faith in the quiet application of the Holy Spirit changes us as individuals. It changes us as a congregation, as the people of God. And it changes the community in which we live. 
And it is incumbent upon us to continue to tap in to that spirit of Pentecost, into that, that Holy Spirit that suffuses our lives and emboldens and encourages us to step forward in faith without fear, to, to go into the unknown, into the risky and vulnerable places, to the people who, who live on the margins and to tell them that they are a beloved child of God that they are worthy of dignity, that they have purpose and meaning in their lives. That's our, that's our mission. That's what the Holy Spirit was sent to us for, to lead us into deeper truth and to a deeper understanding that there truly are no barriers to entry into the people of God. Then all are welcome. There are no tests to bring you in the door. That Jesus wants everyone to gather around his table, to hear his words, to share in the bounty of the feast. Pentecost, it's this great day that we've come together to remember, but also to participate in. Because we, we live in Pentecost. The Holy Spirit never left. It came that day and has stayed with us and continues to drive us even now. Amen.